Welcome to the Axiom Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Lonergan, and today I'm joined by Joey Brannon and our newest team member, Tommy Rorlach. Before we jump into our topic of leadership affirmations, we'd like to take some time to get to know Tommy. Welcome, Tommy. Welcome, Tommy. Thank you, Joey. Thank you, Shannon. And for everyone who's listening, uh, we really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, So yeah, a little bit about me. I joined Axiom uh, just earlier this month, the beginning of June. Uh, I come to Axiom with a background in nonprofit management and business development. I'm really passionate uh, now just about serving these businesses, these business owners, their teams. Uh, take pride in seeing their continued success, their their growth coming alongside them uh, to make the biggest impact that, that we can together. So uh, just excited to be here. Uh, I know I'm new still, but excited for a wonderful future ahead. Uh, I'm a graduate of the Florida State University. Uh, Currently, it's, the- <laughs> it's, it's increasingly becoming a problem. Uh, house divided. <laughs> uh, every Thanksgiving is going to be fun in the Axiom, Axiom family. I currently live in St. Petersburg with my wife, Kaylee, and our golden retriever, Maple. Oh, um, Yeah, so one day we'll have to bring her into the office. But for now, you guys have me, but it's been a blast so far. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're, we're very excited that you're here. It's fun to have you on the podcast for the first time. You'll find as we go that Shannon's much better at this than I am. So she's become the, the podcast diva at Axiom and does, diva. does a great job. That's I think it's appropriate. I think it, it fits you. Wow. Well. There's a lot of pros to the word diva. I feel like diva is such a bad word. No, but. no, in the best possible way. So. Okay, okay. I'll accept it. Uh, so, Tommy, you've been with us for a month now, which mm. is I can't believe it's already been a month. I know. Weird. Uh, (laughs) But during that time, what have you noticed about the leadership style compared to previous positions? Yeah. So I knew right away um, that Joey and other leaders with an axiom are the epitome of a servant leader. We... You don't have to say that just because I'm here. Well, for those listening, Joey just slid me a 20. (laughs) No, but it's the truth. I remember from my very first phone call, um, interview, whatever you want to call it, the screening, I guess, it was harped on over and over again that this is an environment where we truly do care for others. And when I say others, I mean, uh, first and foremost, our, our team, those at Axiom. And then as a continuation of that, the team's families. And I mean, even just starting there, I've seen time and time again how the the culture that we at Axiom communicate to our clients is lived out here internally. Um, and so I heard about that, you know, in the interview process, and that was something that really drew me here. But then uh, on day one, um, and in the last month already, I've seen that happen time and time again. But then also the way that Joey and, and I'll, I'll say Joey and other leaders here, the way that we and they care about our clients. It is not just a number. It is not just the name in the book of business. It is a genuine, authentic um, point of pride, right? Coming alongside these companies, almost creating that family environment. And that's that's unique. And it might be unfortunate how unique it is, but that's maybe another podcast for another day. Just shining light on how valuable that is right now. I'm at a point in my career where I get to look at someone like Joey and learn from him day in and day out, work along alongside him day in and day out. And it's an incredible blessing. Um, and then just living out the values that I'm still getting to know of, of truth, care, diligence, and learning. I mean, seeing Joey and seeing these other, these other leaders here at Axiom 
not just say that these are our values, but genuinely, authentically live them out has been an absolute, uh, just absolute blessing to, to see. Um, and so, Joey, I know I've mentioned your name probably 50 times already in the The 20s minutes. just We've keep on coming. This, you're, but... you're a wealthy man by the end of the podcast. <laughs> uh, but, Joey, what, uh, what has been your primary influence or, or who? Who has been your primary influence to really become the leader that, that you are today? Uh, we were you know, talking before we started recording. I was like, I'm struggling to come up with a good answer to that question. And it's, there's no like one person. I remember hearing Tony Dungy speak one time and um, he said, you know, we all need mentors in my life. And he said, I have tons of mentors and they might be mentors just for a moment. It could be he finds a mentor through a book that he reads, or he finds a mentor through one conversation that he's able to have with, with a person of influence that he's able to spend a little bit of time with. And that was very encouraging to me. Um, you know, we have a colleague, Cameron, and um, Cameron, I'm envious of Cameron because you know he's had like formal mentors in his life. And these are people that uh, a couple of one in particular that I know and I'm like, man, I would have given anything to have a formal mentor-mentee relationship with somebody like that when I was coming up in the profession. And, um, and I, sometimes I would look back on the fact that I couldn't point to one individual that I'd had this like years-long relationship with uh, where you know, I just learned so much. But that uh, I remember, you know, here that that statement from Tony Dungy stands out because it was like this big sigh of relief. It's like, oh, okay, like that. Oh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And so, um, you know, I guess the answer: Who's been my biggest influence? There've been a lot. I mean, I also think we learn a lot and you know, learn what not to do. Um, so, you know, I've I've had a, a lot of jobs and. Um, you know, I've been doing this now for, you know, longer than I've been doing anything else. And that's been great. But prior to this, you know, I took a lot of notes on what not to do. <laughs> and I think we mm -hmm. all, you know, for anything mm -hmm. from a high school job that we had to, um, you know, we, you get out of college and, and you start working and you're like, wow, I didn't understand, um, you know, that this is what it was going to be about. So I just try to, uh, we, <laughs> I say read a lot is, is important, but um, also been really, really lucky to learn from a lot of really good clients. Um, mm. There's a guy, Frank Davis, uh, stands out. He, I got introduced to Frank when I first moved to Bradenton. It's probably like 2000, uh, around 2000. And um, Frank was a tax client of the firm that I was at. And there was a change in the partner handling his account and it landed up in my lap, kind of like in this interim period. And so I went out and met with Frank and um, he was just a, a guy who had owned several businesses and sold them and moved to uh, Anna Maria Island and bought a bunch of real estate and decided to start a bed and breakfast and then started a real estate company. And um, he was just one of those people who was uh, always encouraging. And, you know, I think back and I didn't have a ton of uh, incredible conversations with Frank about business. It's only been in the last couple of years that he and I have started to talk about my business and he's been giving me advice on my business. Usually it was me asking him questions about his business or just poking and prodding around the edges. But even those conversations were not as formative as just watching the way he treated people, you know, and he was just somebody that everybody enjoyed being around. 
but he was also, um, you know, I, I had friends in college that everybody loved being around, but not necessarily for the right reasons. <laughs> There's mm -hmm. a difference between popularity and respect. And Frank was somebody who's really respected. Uh, and also, I mean, it's, uh, you know, Frank and Joe, his wife, um, you know, they were at that point, they were married 40 something years. I think now they're past 60. Um, maybe it was 30 years. Now they're past 50 because I've known about 20 years. Um, but you know, that says a ton to me, you know, the ability to, um, stay by some, someone in a culture where those relationships are, you know, seen as transient and kind of accepted as so. And it takes a lot, you know, to, to lead well in a marriage for that long. So, you know, Frank is one that stands out. Um, there are a few others that are, that, you know, loom large and it all comes down to how they treated people, you know, just there when you're around them, um, you looked forward, if you knew they were going to be there, you looked forward to it. You might've also been a little bit nervous because you knew they set a high standard. And so you, you know, those are the days that I made sure that my shirt was pressed. My, <laughs> my shoes were shined. My, my, uh, appearance was on point. You know, if we were going to go to lunch, my car was cleaned and it's just because I had a tremendous amount of respect for them. So I think you learn a lot from the people around you. Um, and it all comes down to if, if you find that you're, you see somebody you're like, that person cares a lot about other people. I would venture to guess they're going to be a pretty good role model from a leadership perspective, regardless of what their profession or, the, or their vocation is. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, something that you don't really think about a lot is how you feel when you are going to see somebody and you know that you respect them, but you don't go, like stop to think, how am I respecting them? Mm -hmm. And what does that all go into? Uh, one of Axiom's pillars is leadership um, on our triangle, so to speak. And that seems a little generalized whenever we talk about that with um, prospective clients or even with our clients that we have um, and even internally. But what was your reasoning for making that one of the pillars and what do you believe you need to have to have the character of a leader? Um, so the, the leadership tier that you're talking about of the pyramid, um, just came from looking at a lot of different businesses and saying, you know, what are the common threads here? Like what, what we find out is that a lot of businesses have the same problems, regardless of the amount of revenues, regardless of the amount of number of employees, as soon as you have a team that's more than say three people, they all have the exact same issues. And so we defined these uh, five tiers uh, that are, are kind of foundational to what we believe is a business's ability to effectively build and execute a strategic plan. They have to have all of their you know, house in order in these five areas. And we put them in a pyramid because with the, that we believe they, they work off of each other. If the base of the pyramid is not healthy the, and the tiers above it are going to suffer. And so culture is at the very bottom, vision, values, purpose – and then leadership is the next tier up. So everything that you build after you decide what your values are, after you establish your vision, after you know your purpose, you really have to focus on that leadership tier. And the way we kind of formalize it when we're going into a business or we're explaining to a business owner what we're looking at is to what extent is leadership in this organization defined as servant leadership? 
And then secondary to that, do the people in the organization recognize their roles and responsibilities and also tie those back to their desire or their, their duty, so to speak, to serve others in the organization. So um, you know, we were having a, a conversation earlier today about leadership styles. And I believe that you can be successful as a leader, regardless of your style, you can be confrontational, non-confrontational, you can be an accountable leader, you can be a coach, you know, coaching style or charismatic style. Um, But if you don't have as your basis for understanding what good leadership is, if it's not a servant leadership model, if you don't see yourself as the person responsible to serve the people that you're leading, it doesn't matter what your style is, you're going to be ineffective. And you may, be, you may be effective for a time. Um, you know, confrontational leaders can get results by just yelling louder and longer than anybody else, but it's not really sustainable. As soon as that person isn't around, the performance usually flags. So um, you know, I'd say primarily it's, it's that desire in one's heart to serve others. And that is a... <laughs> There are very few perks to that, right? It's not when you say, uh, what you, you know, what are the perks of leadership? Um, it's not a parking space in the front of the building. It's probably not the highest paycheck in the organization. Uh, it's certainly not the easiest calendar or schedule. Um, there are very few perks to leadership, even the ones that you think are there. If you, if you get that parking space in the front of the building, if you start paying yourself the most, if you, take as much time as you want to address as many things as you want outside of the business. And you may, you may think for a time that you're enjoying the perks of leadership, but they very quickly come back to bite you in the butt. And you find out that, you know, your front parking space is causing all kinds of issues with people who think that it's not fair that you think you should be treated differently, that your high paycheck is causing all kinds of issues when it comes to trying to roll out a performance compensation plan for your other key managers because they're going, well, it's still not what he's making and he's not doing anything, right? And if if you are taking out and going fishing whenever you want to, you find that there's a lot of stuff when, you know, when the cat's away, the mice are playing a lot because you're away a lot and there's no, there's this void of leadership. So um, it's a long answer, as I'm prone to do, I give you a very long answer to your question. I appreciate it. I know that all of our listeners really enjoy hearing the answers. <laughs> and Joe, you mentioned something that we've harped on now a number of times uh, just on this episode, which is that that idea of servant leadership. And a lot of the clients and the business owners and their leadership teams that we work with, um, we talk to them about the importance of that. Uh, we also talk to our clients uh, about the leadership affirmations, right? We reference the leadership affirmations. So, can you go through uh, go through those with us um, and just give us some some light on your conversations with our clients about these leadership affirmations? Yeah. So these are this is just a tool, right? So the principle is servant leadership. The tool to kind of put some meat on the bone of what that actually looks like is a tool we call the leadership affirmations or affirmation document. And this is something that um, we ask, we we kind of provide a template, a model that our clients can use. They can put their logo on the top of it. They can also change, you know, they can do some editing, but the content of it basically says we're asking leaders who are going to be named as leaders in the organization to affirm these six things. Number one, they're willing to invest time in others. It's not easy. You're going to have to make time in your schedule. You're going to have to attend more meetings. You're going to have to figure out time to get the other work done. 
Leadership requires investing time in others. Number two, you're willing to encourage, exhort, and empower. Encourage people who are doing well, exhort people who need to do better, empower people who are doing well and are ready for more responsibility. Uh, number three, they're willing to stay consistent. There's no days off from leadership. You have to be a leader 24-7, 365. You can't be a great leader at work and a terrible leader when you go home or a terrible leader when you're at your kid's soccer practice. You have to be a leader all the time. Uh, number four, willing to base your success on theirs. If you're the sales manager, it doesn't matter that you can go outsell any of your salespeople. If you can't make your salespeople successful, you're not a good sales leader. Uh, number five, you're willing to challenge your own status quo thinking. So leaders never get comfortable defending what's always been done. Uh, they're always willing to look at other options, explore other ideas. And finally, number six, they're willing to champion the values in word and deed. Uh, when you have a set of corporate values, if the leaders don't know the values and if the leaders aren't the ones who are carrying that flag in the way they treat people, then the values mean nothing. And that it quickly can become incredibly toxic to the culture. This is one of those areas where you can do a great job defining the base of the pyramid and culture, and then you can have the people who sit on top of it actually chip away to, and destroy the foundation. Yeah. Where have you seen that happen? Have you seen that happen? I in can't here? name client names. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Shannon. <laughs> no, I think I, in all seriousness, it is the majority of the time when we get involved with a new business, uh, I was you know, we, we've said for a long time, it's been our experience a hundred percent of the time. Uh, and I, I do think that that record was broken just recently, but until then a hundred percent of the time, one year from the date that we start working with a new business, a year later, somebody has opted out of that leadership team. And they typically opted not just out of the leadership team, they've opted out of the entire company. And that's because, you know, when we, when we start to put these things in place and you're building a culture of accountability, not just around performance, but around things like cultural values, some people are not ready for that. It's not what they signed up for. And in all fairness to, the, to them, it's not what they signed up mm -hmm. for, right? They've been, now we're changing the rules of the game, right? Because a business owner says, you know, what I've done before, what got me here is not going to get me there. I need to do more. I want to do better. Can you help me? And we come in and we say, yes, we're going to do these things. And we're going to start holding people accountable to values and vision and purpose. And if that's not what they signed up for, they ask off. Um, those people who ask off, if you were to sit in those meetings, if you were to experience their engagement in the meetings, it would be hard to characterize it in a way that's other than toxic. Right. So to answer your question, how have you seen people chip away at that cultural foundation the most dangerous way it happens is when a business owner or general manager, whoever is the, the chief leader of the time, allows people to continue to be involved in leadership when they will not affirm these six things. Mm -hmm. So, and it shows up not just in that last spot of, you know, they're not championing the values. People who don't, people who don't show up for meetings, leadership team meetings, because they don't want to invest time in others or people who are disgruntled when they're in those meetings on their phone, unengaged because they feel like it's a waste of time. That's toxic mm -hmm. to the cultural base of the organization. If they're not willing to encourage, exhort, empower, that's toxic. If they're not consistent, if they try to be one way at the office or one way in the leadership team meeting and another way in the warehouse, it's toxic. Um, if, they can, if they're killing it, 
but their team is suffering or if they're killing it and another department is suffering and all they want to do is point the finger and say, you guys should do better. It's toxic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, it, the toxicity shows up in a lot of ways. These six areas are just, they're specifically on the page because <laughs> we've seen them be toxic and we're like, you can't do that. It's not like we started with, we knew the magical formula for what a good leader made. Man, if we did. <laughs> if we did, it would be We'd awesome. be much bigger than we are. Instead, the best we've been able to do is say, don't do this, right? <laughs> and we tried to make it positive by saying, well, if we're telling we not to do something, we should frame that as, this is what we're encouraging you to believe. And if you believe this, it will be a great hedge. It'll be a great guardrail to keep you from those toxic behaviors. Yeah, that's so good. And when I look at these affirmations, I think about the different positions that I've been in, um, whether it's me being the leader or it's been in positions where I've worked under somebody. And I think one of the big ones that I have noticed across the board is the willing to stay consistent, no days off. That is unfortunately one of, I think the hardest thing to to do is you can be one way in your leadership team, but kind of off screen, you're a completely different person. And I worked under somebody at a school. Um, I was his executive assistant and in our tiny office, which was a little bit bigger than this, <laughs> he was one way. And then off campus, completely different person, completely different personality. And it was so frustrating because I had to manage both sides of that. Um, and I can say, like, I've seen Joey outside of the office a couple times and there's just a couple, <laughs> just a couple, <laughs> just a couple. I just mean like running into you randomly and there's no, there's no difference. There's no difference in how, um, like your personality, there's no difference in how warm or how not warm you are. Like you're just a very consistent. I'm consistently cold all the time. <laughs> That's not true. You did say warm or not warm. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, I, I do. Um, I will say that uh, the person I am today is somebody who's much more comfortable in their own skin than the person I was when I started Axiom when I was 32 mm -hmm. uh, or 31. Um, and at that time, you know, like accomplishment, achievement, status was really important. It still is important, uh, but I, I, I've yet to divorce myself from the the feeling of value and self worth that comes from achievement. You know, mm -hmm. and it's it's something that I have to be careful about. But one of the things that has happened is I've matured, is just uh, quite frankly a much more genuine interest in people. And I, I say this a lot. Um, Tommy maybe hasn't heard it as much as you've heard it. Uh, Shannon has definitely not heard as much as Devin has heard it. But I tell uh, the other people on my team, the consultants on the team, um, you guys are so much better at this than I am. And really what we're talking about, we, you know, we're talking about leadership uh, in terms of business owners and leadership teams. But in the roles that we play with clients, like every one of us has to lead. If you go back to what's the definition of leadership, it's putting yourself in service of others. That is by definition what we do. And, um, and my understanding of that 
getting much, much better as I've matured and come to have a much greater appreciation for people, you guys are already there. You're there decades ahead of where I was in some cases, right? So um, I do think that if you want to be a better leader, like the best thing you can do is to just take a real genuine interest in people. And I am not an extrovert. I am I'm not a I'm not a high energy what? charismatic <laughs> leader. I'm not a rah-rah person. I do not have You don't the, like confetti? No. <laughs> confetti, I'm on the borderline glitter, you've completely crossed the line. <laughs> um but you know, like if you're, if you're an introverted person or you just don't have that energy, you're not somebody who just lights up the room naturally. And I was given Shannon kudos earlier today, cause that's definitely the kind of person that she is, but I wasn't blessed with that. It's not my, it's not the way I'm made, but you know, it, a lot of this just, we'll get real transparent for a little bit. A lot of this started and I started the business in 2007 and for three years I had my head down trying to be that uh, success, you know, achievement oriented person. In 2010, I hit a brick wall because my marriage was falling apart because I was paying way more attention to my marriage or to my business than it was my marriage. And then it was, okay, if you, if you want to preserve this, if you want to be one of those people you admire, who's got a 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 year marriage, like you got to start doing some stuff different. You got to start prioritizing the marriage relationship, the family relationship over the work or the revenue number or the new client count or whatever it is. And, um, and so that, you know, really started with me trying to be a better husband. And then, and then after that, it was like, okay, now you got to be a better father because these little ones are really growing up fast and they want more time with dad and that needs to be substantive. And then, you know, as you, as you, uh, as the business grows and you start to add people, you're like, Hey, they they don't figure this stuff out on their own. They need somebody to pour into them. And you know, it's not the technical side. We, we can all go get the technical knowledge. It's out there. It's out there more today than it ever has been. And the people that we hire have great, if not the, the, um, the long tenured professional background, they've got a body of experience that's very relevant to the work they do. They know they, they can learn how to do the work in a heartbeat, but it's the, the confidence and the belief in yourself. It's getting through all of the question marks. It's struggling through the setback of a client who questions whether you really, the, the hard things that you said, are you really saying that because you care about them or, you know, their, their insecurity or their defensiveness gets in the way and there's a lot of blowback and you're like, did I say the right thing? It's the moments of self-doubt and as well as all the challenges that come with growing a business and the body of responsibility that you have is increasing to a level you've never experienced before. And so I just started to figure out, you know, the, the real part of this is not what you're doing or how many people you're doing it for or how much money they're giving you to do it. The, the real piece of this that matters is the people that you're doing it with. And if you're not willing to come to work and pay attention to them first, all the other stuff will probably eventually be in jeopardy anyway. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's a, uh, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> I left Shannon speechless. <laughs> As let you the, often let do. the record show. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen very yeah. often. Uh, <laughs> Well, and again, as we touched on in the beginning, even though I've only been here for a month, seeing the way, Joey, that you, I mean, I could sing your praise all day, but you, you're going to get rid of 20s here pretty soon. Yeah, I'm already out. See, seeing the way that you 
infiltrate uh, or, or you lead those at Axiom to have the same infiltrate. mentality. Yeah, big, big word, huh? <laughs> um, it's evident. I mean, you just vulnerably gave us um, an example or uh, the, the story of you and, and Josie, your wife. That's not because that was some heartthrob story. That's because, and it was, don't worry, but that's because you have a very real life sense of connectivity, sense of connection to why leadership is so important to you. And just touching on why these affirmations or leadership in general is important, one of the first things that I would say is that it takes a, a very powerful degree of intentionality. You you met or uh, you mentioned um, Tony Dungy and in some of my past roles, I've been very blessed to to know Tony. What? Um, that's right. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's some name dropping. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, well, the me? fact that it took me at least a month to say it means I wasn't jumping out the gun too uh, too far. Right. But just the first opportunity. He is, especially <laughs> just the first the one. <laughs> he is. I mean, he is just like you, Joey. He is the epitome of this as well. But one thing that he always says is he has to work very hard at it, or he would probably word it even more, much more articulately than I can if you've ever heard Tony speak, but it doesn't come easy. It's not something that he just wakes up and boom, he's a great leader, whether it was coaching the Bucks or coaching the Colts or running different uh, nonprofits, or I think he has like nine kids, the list goes on. Every single detail of his life, one, he, he, he ties leadership into every detail of his life as he believes he was called to and we are called to, but it's very, very intentional. It's not easy. And so I think that's the thing for me that sticks out the most. Um, you don't just wake up one day and you are a good leader. Uh, it, it takes that work. And kind of stemming from that, we've also never arrived. Um, some of the people that I look up to the most are the folks who are either older in age and more experienced or just more experienced. People who've been around the block, whether it's with their career or they've um, been through the thick of it with their family and they're on the other end of the the curve, so to speak. And they still are like, I have a million things to learn. Mm -hmm. When you look at them from across the table and you're thinking, what do you mean? I, I want to be half the, the father, the man, the coach, the teacher, the leader that you are. And there's, they're the ones saying, no, I still have so much to learn. You've never arrived. You've never really made it. Now, that's not from a sense of doom and gloom. What's the point of trying? That's from the sense of we always are going to be able to grow. We always are going to be able to be uh, be a better leader, quote unquote, better. And then last, I think, and Joe, you touched on this, but leadership is not synonymous with the word power. Something that um, is so elementary, but I've... I've really uh, tried to apply this to every part of my life, whether it's with my wife or or work or church, anything. It's not synonymous with power, but it's synonymous with responsibility. And some of these affirmations, you can see that. Uh, the first one, investing time in others. That's not because you have the power to con control their schedule, which maybe you do, maybe you don't. It's because you have the responsibility to adjust your schedule, even on a tangible basis, to invest in them. You have the responsibility to be consistent, to make sure that you are the same person Monday through Sunday and the same thing starts again, that you value their success based on theirs. I can keep going down the lists, but it's that responsibility. It's that true meaning of being the, the, the humble leader, the servant leader, not the powerful leader. And the cool part about that is, as a, a reciprocal response to that, how do people respond when they see 
you as a leader. They, they know that you look at your role as responsibility and not power. How do people respond? They want to follow you more. They want to listen more. Whereas on the flip side of that, when people see you as an iron fist or as, as power, maybe it's our human nature, I don't know. But normally we run from that. And so that just shows the value, I think, of what it means to truly serve people. It makes people want to follow you more. And just bringing it back to Axiom, that's what we have here. That's what we try to instill in our clients, uh, in their leadership teams. And uh, it's been very, very evident, Joey, just watching you and, and Shannon watching you the last month. Yeah. Well, thanks. I I want to speak to uh, if somebody's listening and they're like, you know, I want, I desire to, I desire what you're talking about, right? I, I want to be a good leader. Um, I'm moving up in my career and technical knowledge and responsibility. And I want to be a good leader. Or um, maybe somebody just aspires to leadership for that achievement piece, right? How do you get there? And this is this comes up quite a bit in the work we do, actually. It is very common for us to run into situations where we have two people on the org chart, probably in the same department, and they're like co-leading, so to speak. They may be the only two people in that department, but we see a future where that department's going to grow and we're going to need a leader in that department. And we, we look at one of the two individuals and we go, well, that's the person that we believe has the best capacity. Now, there's some things that we have to figure out, like we have to figure out how to get that person to believe in their capacity to the same extent we do, right? We have to get rid of some of the head trash. We have to get them to step into the leadership role. But the biggest obstacle is how do we get that other person that we are not putting our finger on for leadership to accept this person who is now their colleague as their future leader? How do you do that? Mm. That is difficult. Mm -hmm. There's no conversation. You can, there's no office you can bring them into and say, okay, we got some good news. Actually, we got some bad news and we got some more bad news. <laughs> the bad news is you're not getting the position. Uh, and the other bad news is the person that you work with that you view as your coworker is getting that position. And it never goes well. Mm. And so we have, we have figured out how to make that happen with no conversation. And if the person that you've tapped for leadership is up for the task, and this is also a great exercise to confirm whether you've actually picked the right person. If you go to that person, you say, we want, we want a future where you assume leadership of this department. But in order for that to happen, you have to buy into this attitude of servant leadership. So if you want this to happen, you need to start figuring out how to serve your coworker, your coworker of one. And, if when that person starts to perceive you as the leader, we will know that we've made the right decision. Mm-hmm. Now, how do I do that? It's very, very simple. You go to that person and you ask two questions. So I want to be the leader. Management's come to me. So we, we see a future where we want you to be the leader. Unfortunately, this coworker and you've had a rocky relationship. You've kind of been jockeying for position. Both of you view this as a positional authority and, and there's a raise involved. And so they're both kind of vying for the same job, but neither one of you has really stepped up to the level that we're looking for. We think you have the potential. You need to go make this happen. If that's me, the two things that I can do, I can go sit down with my coworker and I can say, how are you doing? What's going on in your world? I'm just interested. I'm interested in you. And the better that we know each other, the more effective we're going to be together. How are you doing? And the second question, is there anything that I can do for you 
maybe over the next week or a couple of weeks or month that's going to make your job easier? Is there anything I'm doing to make it more difficult that I should stop? Is there anything that you need that I can go beg, borrow, or steal from somebody else? Is there, uh, is there anything that I've been asking you to do or that somebody else has been asking you to do that's not effective that I can, you know, we can go make the case that we can get that off your plate because it doesn't need to be done and your work will become much more effective? What is it that I can do for you over the next 30 days? Those are the same two questions that we challenge every single formal leader on the org chart to go ask their direct reports every single month in a regular recurring one-to-one. Mm-hmm. The reason that we ask, we, the reason that we ask those questions is because that's what leaders do. It's not, that's not the responsibility of a leader. That's just what leaders do. When they put themselves in service of others, they ask that first question, what's going on? How are you doing? Because they really care about the person. They ask the second question because they know that person's success is their responsibility. So if there's something you need to be more effective, efficient, or fulfilled in your work, it's my job to go make that happen for you. So when people start to do those things, regardless of their position on the org chart, they start to become leaders. And it's not a title that makes you a leader. It's the size of the group of people who's signing up to be led, Mm -hmm. who believe that you are the person who can help them accomplish what they want to accomplish. So it it can be a very organic thing where you just take it upon yourself to say, I'm going to start asking those two questions of everybody that I work with to see if there's anything that I can do to become a leader in their eyes or you can be appointed into leadership and, you know, man, I've been relying on my parking space or my paycheck or the, my spot on the org chart to give me this positional authority to go make things happen. I need to change that. So I'm going to start going to my direct reports. I'm actually got the ability to schedule a meeting on their calendar and take some time out of our workday to go ask those two questions. I don't think there's anything you can do better to, to lead better than to start there. Yeah. And I think that if you are a leader right now and if you are not doing one-on-ones, if you're not meeting with your direct reports, that is something that you can change right now today yep. and you can start doing immediately. And I think that is going to make the biggest difference if you're struggling with anything within within your department, within your entire team. I don't know how big your team is if you're listening Um if you're struggling with anything, a lot of those things can be mitigated by just sitting down and having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And if you don't care about people, that is a very long, long meeting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but here's the other piece of encouragement. If you, if you think, man, I, that sounds like torture, right? Because I don't know what they're going to say. When I ask them how they're doing, I mean, this could go anywhere. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm prepared for anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it could. Uh, if, if you're worried about that, I'll say that it's probably not going to go anywhere that you're super uncomfortable with, right? Because that per you guys don't have the depth of relationship right now for that thing to go like really off into a direction that's going to make you super uncomfortable as they trust you more, it may go there, but as they trust you more, the depth of the relationship will also mean that you're a lot less uncomfortable going to those places with them. And, you know, it, it you may be thinking, man, they're going to ask me for the moon. I mean, how am I going to provide that? No, they're not. They're going to, they're probably not going to ask you for anything because you've never said that before. What they're waiting for, they may put a small ask out there because if they're going to get let down, they want to be let down small. Mm -hmm. They're not going to put out a big ask. 
So there really is less risk involved in undertaking that than you think. And it may be the scariest thing in the world for you to open yourself up to it. But um, I told you guys this this morning. That is the most fun I get to have. And it's not fun. Like what I'm saying is like, it's not like we just get together and joke and laugh and yak (laughs) it up and, you know, go do fun activities. No, it's like we just sit and we have a conversation about real life and about real work that we're doing together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would have, if you'd have told me 15 years ago, the best part of this job is going to be sitting down and having one-to-one meetings with team members. I mean, like, that sounds terrible. (laughs) Can't you just give me a problem to solve? Can't you just give me a a business process that we can revamp and increase efficiency 20% in this business? That's what I really like to do. But, um, you know, it's a testament to God's faithfulness that he changes us over time and and we continue to learn not just more about who he is, but who he's made us to be. And I think as leaders, you are made to invest in other people. Yeah. And Joey has been one of the best examples of that for each of us. And Thank you. I appreciate that. I he already said he's at a 20 show. <laughs> <laughs> You're a little late to the game. <laughs> uh, I hope that we can push this far beyond um, Joey's tenure at Axiom and that when Joey isn't with Axiom anymore, that whoever is, we can keep pushing this forward because the work that we do is important. But really at the end of the day, it's the leadership. Mm -hmm. That's the most important because like Tommy alluded to at the beginning of this, unfortunately, this type of, um, this type of business, this type of leadership style is unique and it's not something that you find everywhere. And that makes me sad. And I hope that Axiom can do something to help really change that for everyone and small business. Well said. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in today to the Axiom podcast. Please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen. Check out our blog posts on our website at axiomstrategic.com. And we will talk to you again next week. 